94.7 Kumu Kokua, because Kumu cares. This is where we bring in Hawaii's leaders and experts to talk about the issues you care about during the COVID-19 crisis, also answering your questions. And this morning, we got Lieutenant Governor Josh Green. So, let's address the, the big old elephant in the room. This wasn't a total lockdown, which I think we were talking about. What, what <laughs> happened? And are you still going to be recommending or pushing for a total lockdown? Two weeks ago, pretty good recommendations came into play for mm-hmm. Oahu, where the most uh, the lion's share of all cases right now, active cases, are about 3,600 cases, but 95% of them have been on Oahu in the last couple weeks. We did a good thing. I commend the governor, mayor, everybody to, to be careful with the parks, to, to lock down uh, activity at beach parks and beaches. That's where the largest gatherings were happening, and that's that was the greatest risk. Uh, but the cases have continued to surge. Today is day 10, uh, I'm sorry, day 12, forgive me, day 12 since uh, that order went into place. And we should be seeing or we need to be seeing some results from that. And the numbers have not gone down as much as I would like or hope. In fact, they've gone up or plateaued at a very high level right now. So uh, that was disconcerting. And meanwhile, my job is to track the healthcare systems, especially. Mm-hmm. And I've been focused on many things, but the number of patients that are coming in each day was at, I think, 193 as of uh, yesterday evening in the hospital and the number of active cases. And all of that informed my recommendation to the gov to at least go to orange. Now, they instead um, chipped away at the problem a little bit and didn't make significant changes. And we can talk about the details of that. Hopefully, the effects of the previous order, which was decent, will work. Also, the mask order, whenever anybody is out of their house, period, on Oahu, you need to be wearing a mask. That's very clear. Uh, So those two things are very uh, relevant. Uh, The the press conference, I know, let down a lot of people because they were expecting us to be a little firmer. Keep in mind, uh, we've had like 3,500 cases plus in the last 17 days. We've only had 2,600 cases total, total, for the first six months. Mm-hmm. And so we are now in a new pandemic. The pandemic of the first phase was very minimal overall as far as numbers go as compared to any other place in the country. This pandemic has been quite significant with a prevalence rate or number of percent positive cases hovering between like seven and ten percent mm-hmm. that's uh, consistent with a lot of spread and and danger so when I say danger I mean it and that's why we have to really be on top of this so I will keep hounding the 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 governor and the mayors and give them the facts and give them the details and try to keep them as as much on their toes as possible because there's lots of of real concerns at the hospitals. With the hospitals at these numbers, boy, it could get bad quickly. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Can you explain a little bit about that positivity rate? Like, why is that so alarming when it's 7 to 10%? Prevalence rate, or the positivity rate, uh, is a reflection of how many people are positive in a day divided by the total number of tests that we can get done. Mm-hmm. And so in the early days, uh, and for most of the pandemic, up until, say, about July 4th, when things started going a little haywire, it was around 1% to 1.3%. So out of every 100 tests, you're only going to get like, you know, one positive. Very low. And that meant that we had extremely low background rate of cases, not much spread at all. And then it started, you know, picking up when people, you know, we, everyone ate hot dogs out for like three days and everyone was <laughs> together and we started mm-hmm. spreading it, causing little fires. And everyone knows that story now. But then you start getting significant spread. And when you get significant uh, spread in the community and you're sampling and testing people that are close contacts and been around other positive people, 
the rates get higher and higher and higher, and they started getting up towards about 5%, that's a, uh, a mark that a lot of people consider like a threshold of concern, 5%. Mm. Uh, and that means there's a lot of spread. Well, we got up to like, then it started touching 7% of our tests were positive, And then finally it surged to 10% when the prison, you know, mm-hmm. had a bunch Numbers of cases. In, yeah. And so that's a big concern. So when that percentage is high, that that tells you that you have a higher risk to spread it kind of anywhere. And that is one of the main things that I, I definitely um, make clear to the governor and the team. And when that can come down, we'll be better off. And when the when the hospital numbers come down, we'll be very well off. But meanwhile, I'll do all that is necessary to prepare behind the scenes, extra hospital beds, extra staff, working with lots of great people like the Healthcare Association, Tripler, General Har, all these people, all the hospital leaders to make sure that if we exceed what's normal at all, and we're pretty far past normal now, we can expand a little bit, get a little extra capacity, get extra care for people while we lock down. Would I have liked a, a, a tougher lockdown? Yeah, because I think it would get us out of the woods faster and get us back mm-hmm. to business faster, back to tours, in fact, faster, back to school faster, and with way less cases and suffering in the hospital. Mm, okay. Well, thank you very much, uh, Lieutenant Governor, joining here. So uh, people have been mentioning, well, if we just don't count the prison cases, then we're good, right? I mean, that's... So you know, with the prison numbers, it's hellaciously bad. And without the prison numbers, it's truly crappy. And so <laughs> that, that is basically the distinction. Okay. Um, and if you, but if you look at the big picture uh, of, of what has happened, yes, if you can keep institutions from lighting up, which is very hard, mm-hmm. but it happens, that's one thing. If you can keep high-risk populations from lighting up, like the Pacific Islander community really got hit extremely hard. And we have to do a lot more. And my team is working on that now with, mm-hmm. with great leaders there. Mm-hmm. You can do better. If you can prevent clusters from the occasional fast food or or funeral service, you do well. Those are the places that are really the hotspots and why they have to be the focus. Okay, mm-hmm. That's where you want to focus. And then, of course, you just have good general policy. Everywhere, everyone wear a mask when they're out. And we did have to make the big decision to curtail the large gatherings that were happening at beaches. Look, I can't wait to get the beaches back again, but we all saw it. I mean, whether it's Waimea Rock, which did have to get shut down, or going to Alamona Beach Park, where on some mornings, you know, five, six hundred people. And maybe it wasn't a single gathering of five or six hundred, but once you get to that number, actually thousands at some parts of the day, everyone's mixing. There is far too much spread and too much risk. So if you take away those hotspot problems, that's how you beat this thing. Mm. Okay. Okay. Can you talk also about the schools now? A bunch of our listeners are posting on our Facebook now uh, that they wish that it would just be called for like the first entire quarter or maybe even the first semester that it all be distance learning. What would you like to see? I think the most straightforward thing would be the first quarter. I think that uh, having been through this a couple times with dates and trying to make dates with trans-Pacific travel and you, everyone, there's a, there seems to be a pressure to get stuff done. And I think I'm learning now that it'd be better to release the pressure, have a good expectation, let people know what they're going to get into. However, we have very high rates right now. I don't want to see teachers catch COVID-19. I don't want to see kids spread it around and then bring it back to their parents. And we, we have risk. It would, if we had knocked this thing out, by the start of school, of course, we'd be all in. So there are some needs of, um, to be sure for 
special needs children who need to be there. We have to have some me- meals that have to be there. And there's just lots of, of actual value in addition to the education value, which is gigantic, of course, everything. But there's some value to having kids being socialized and, and being with their friends and even having eyes on kids in some cases. We note, for instance, that when children are out of school for very long periods of time, tragically, abuse rates can peak sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes there's someone fr- from outside the household that watches kids and there are bad moments. There's certain things that teachers do wonderfully and additionally to educating. So all of that is valuable. However, the first quarter is probably worth uh, writing off as home education. And when I say write off, I don't mean we're not going to educate them. They're going to do great. Mm-hmm. And people are going to have different expectations, but I wouldn't rush it. Of course, if September if September is a month where, once again, the virus is still soaring, which I don't think it will be, and I'll tell you why in a second. If that were the case, then you're looking at the whole year, the whole first half of the year, this calendar year where, mm-hmm. where kids be at home. But I, I'll tell you why that won't happen, because we're now, after, um, after raising hell a little bit about, about the virus and the number of cases and the need for extra lockdown, and I hope this works. I mean, mind you, I, I really hope that going down to five makes a difference and, and not having wind instruments out there in public, it, you know, is profoundly impactful against all odds, you know, this kind of stuff. <laughs> but it, if that doesn't work, mm-hmm. then you know we're going into the next range, which would be a heavy orange, which is the the um, safer Complete. at home. Yeah. And the safer at home category prevents almost all spread. The, safe, the stay-at-home category prevents everything, but it, it's, you know, calamitous as far as lifestyle goes. Yeah. So that's where we'll head, and that would mean that September would would see much lower numbers and we'd get back to a place. So I'm, I'm optimistic about school for the second quarter. Wanted to ask you about Department of Health. What are your recommendations moving forward, especially in light of all these calls for the removal of uh, Health Director Dr. Bruce Anderson, Dr. Sarah Park, also the contact tracing issue? Um, what will be your recommendations moving forward now? Uh, so I've already made them to to the governor. I I never ask for people to be fired, okay? But I do think that there has to be significant change, and they've made it. They've put uh, uh, Danny Tomayasu and um, Dr. Emily uh, Roberson in charge of that operation, and and our team is already developing some additional support for them from a volunteer standpoint with the healthcare community. We should be contact tracing everyone, and the recommendation that I made to the gov and the team to go to Orange was also to give them. Uh, extra time, bring down the cases more rigorously. It wasn't just that you had to do that to slow the virus. You had to do it also to catch up. And so we will have a big fleet of people over there now. They they took the recommendation that I, I gave, and they may have had on their own also in the background, to go to the convention center. It wasn't rocket science. We did it with the Department of Labor to some, to some benefit, not mm-hmm. perfect, but it helped a lot. This will give a lot of space for volunteers. So I've recommended those things. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. So Lieutenant Governor joining us here, he wanted to make sure he could see all of us live. And one of those benefits to him being here live is he gets to do the lightning round. So, okay, Uh, I'll go back. Uh, Can we use 15 minute tests on travelers? We should. We should bring those in from the Yale group. And it's going to be an open forum. So, yes. And MISCO is doing that kind of thing. Why did the governor and mayor keep the gyms open and not the beach? Do you think the gym is greater risk? Gym is definitely greater risk than outdoors, small groups at gyms at the most. Why is Maui Hospital having two COVID spreads? It's COVID everywhere, but COVID is going to be spiking because people are sick there. Uh, we'll try to keep that under control. Why is some places that had COVID not being mentioned and it's hush-hush? It's not hush-hush. I think they're just overwhelmed, uh, and there's the occasional moment of stupid when we don't share everything. 
Uh, no one mentions unemployment's running out and parents can't go back. Well, we need to keep beefing up unemployment, probably put that $100 in and, and get the $300 from Trump before he, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> what about community spread? Absolutely. It's everywhere. Going to five ain't going to do nothing. Come on. I agree. Um, how is it that we can't visit our family in a group of five or under our home, but it's legal for us to gather in groups elsewhere? Don't gather in any groups. Definitely be with your family. That's safer. Uh, full-time substitute teachers at campuses without being insurance. They deserve insurance, and we have to beef up the benefits. What about people with mental health? Man, the mental health rates are going to be very challenging. We need to up that budget, and it's difficult because they're not letting us use the CARES money. Someone says geofencing. Yes, I agree. Can't put ankle bracelets on people. It's too nasty. FDA approved saliva tests within three hours of $15 cost. I think it's going to be 22 bucks. Testing at all school, please, before campus is open. That was my recommendation. That's what they're doing in L.A. My buddy's doing that. How many tourists are still flying in? It's about 600. They're actually the least of our risk at the moment, but I know it stinks. <laughs> and on top of all this, another outbreak on Maui. Yeah, we have to make sure Maui doesn't surge. Uh, that was a lot of ground to cover in a very mm. short amount of time. Uh, in the meantime, I did want to ask Lieutenant Governor uh, about um, now we have the reopening of tourism with a pre-travel test uh, pushed back to October 1st. And number one, was that what you wanted? And number two, does that now allow us time to make the system better? I did recommend that to the governor, okay. uh, to be very honest. I, I thought that given the obvious circumstances, I mean, we actually have capacity now if we needed to. A lot of people are getting tests, contrary to what you might hear from from some. They are getting tests a little more quickly in most areas on the mainland. But uh, it just didn't make any sense to be in serious lockdown and having only gatherings of five and not having the beaches open and send the wrong signal to to Trans-Pacific travelers that they should come to Hawaii. Because then we'd been arresting them on the beaches. They would have been suing us. It would have been terrible. So better to be safe and not have spread of disease. I will say the number of individuals that are going to be positive that are travelers should be extremely low, especially when you can do a screening test. And because the capacity to do extra testing is rapidly becoming available, for instance, the cheek swab, the saliva test, uh, we'll be able to do that cheaply, and I think a lot of hotels are already gearing up to do extra testing, offer extra testing, free testing clinics to keep their uh, resorts clean and safe. There's just so many good things that come from having the time to get ready properly. It's a good deal. And also, September usually is a low month, notwithstanding uh, the Labor Day weekend. And let's be frank, we could not ha afford a Labor Day weekend like we had a weekend of July 4th which mm. created a, a mass spreading event across Oahu. So uh, I think it's sensible. I think that uh, this year is obviously going to be really tough economically in so many ways. And next year is going to probably be really good in so many ways as we recover. I believe that. Okay. We'll cross our fingers for Speaking that. Speaking of that, September, yeah. and we're getting ready for flu season now too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm starting to see those signs up around town about, you know, like, come and get your flu shot for free, et cetera, et cetera. The, can you straighten out for folks why that is still important to do? And, and, and also earlier we talked about, can you have more than one virus at the same time? And should we worry about that at the same time? Can you help us understand what's going on there? Yes. Uh, it's extraordinarily unusual to have two respiratory viruses at the same time, two different ones. The reason to get the flu shot is to not get the flu. And if I may be even more direct, to not get flu symptoms, because flu symptoms overlap greatly with COVID-19 symptoms. So I want everyone, if they, you know, as long as they don't have some kind of um, spiritual or, or philosophical opposition. I'm not, I'm not that guy that threatens or pushes people. But if you can, 
and you're up to it, get the flu shot. Because if you don't and you get the flu, which happens to 10 to maybe 15% of all of our people, that would be, imagine that, 150,000 people get the flu or more. And when they have flu symptoms, people are going to think, oh, God, do I have COVID? And then everyone's going to come into the hospital mm. either sick and need hospitalization or flooding the system and spreading their flu or getting exposed to other illnesses. So we really want to have a low flu season, and we probably will have a low flu season, uh, and for two reasons. One, everyone's going to be wearing a mask, so we won't be spreading flu that way. And two, people are washing their hands a lot. And by washing your hands and wearing a mask, you don't spread upper respiratory stuff. And so I think this will be one of our lowest flu years in history. It should be. Mm -hmm. And that's a great thing. Uh, someone has, or people have been touting on the internet, uh, and I had a friend call me about this, uh, the deaths from flu numbers. Yes. And comparing them to COVID. And they're saying, well, there's like 637 people who died from the flu in 2018 or 2019. How come we're not concerned about that when it's only 47 people who died from COVID? Very concerned about deaths from the flu. It, I don't believe it was 647. Uh, or, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. The, but it was a the rate of flu deaths is about one out of 1,500 people who catch the flu. And the rate of COVID deaths has been about one in 100 in Hawaii. Ooh. It's been as high as, so it's 15 times higher at least uh, for, the, for the COVID mm -hmm. uh, virus. And it's probably even a lot higher than that in some places. Some places have had mortality rates of 3 and 4%. Uh, People will then next say when they complain, they'll say, yeah, but we're not catching all the testing, all the positive cases for COVID. Well, we don't test all the positive cases for flu either. Mm -hmm. I can tell you a lot of people know, never go get a flu. I mean, I've had the flu in my life, I'd say three or four times really nasty. And only one time did I ever get a flu swab and just the reality of it. Right. So, yeah. uh, so I would say this, everyone kind of come together if you can try not to get the flu and try not to get COVID. Let's just keep it that simple. Mm -hmm. uh, mostly like COVID, which, which is most lethal to our, our kupuna, so is the flu. And people who are over 65 or over 75, even worse, are very susceptible to getting secondary infections, meaning bad pneumonias and other, other organ system uh, problems with these viruses. So we've got to protect our, our senior population. Okay. Um, by the way, how long does the flu shot last? The whole season, usually okay. get you get a year. In fact, actually, we were talking about this, Jamie and I, the other day. You get a lot of immunity going forward. The more flu shots you have, the more strains of flu that you're immunized against. The reason we get a flu shot each year is because the flu mutates and a different flu is around in different parts of the world. So you want to try to get ahead of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm a I'm a big fan of flu shots. I hate the flu. I hate yeah, it. Oh, yeah, sucks. Yeah. Uh, we wanted to take a moment to also talk about um, the mental health epidemic mm. that's happening at the same time, uh, probably caused to some degree by the pandemic. Suicidal ideation is up dramatically, especially among our young people. 11% of adults surveyed have had suicide ideation in the past 30 days. Among Hispanics, it's 19%. Among Blacks, it's 15%. And uh, the study says that this really you know, is a reflection of our nation being on edge. Has the, the leadership in Hawaii been talking about the mental health issues and what is going to be done about that? So that's, that's in many ways the, the larger crisis at hand. And it's one of the reasons that good recommendations come from good people to mm -hmm. push back against the absolute and total lockdown uh, of a city or state or a country because the isolation and the fear that comes with it can be catastrophic. The idea that one in four uh, 
people who are young adults are considering suicide is so tragic to me and so sad that it tells me that we have to get through this and get through it more quickly than, than we are right now. The challenges are many. Now, it's hard to even offer in-person mental health care support right now. And hotlines are only, you know, they're super valuable, but they can only do so much. What we do need to do is to keep people afloat economically, make sure that the other devastating impacts of a, of a coronavirus epidemic or any epidemic don't also hit them so people don't go through all their savings. People have uh, marriage counseling. People have understanding that this is happening. Just one of the, the realities that everyone knows that it's happening to many people is important. Uh, to work on some positive uh, goals to have hope so that we see the end of the tunnel here I think that's super important. It's one of the frustrations I've had, which is um, as I as I preach to to the Department of Health and the governor about setting strong, going on the offensive against this thing, shutting down so you have a more clear a clear expectation about when we can really open up. Honestly, is helpful to people in their mental state, in my opinion. So all those things are very relevant, uh, but it's it's scary. It's scary to see so many people with despair and desperation. Uh, and we have to be ready for that, too. It's why we shouldn't slash budgets on mental health. It's why we shouldn't slash the budgets for those who are uh, needing housing support. Those are like the essentials. Keep the essentials. And everything else then, once this pandemic is over, we should still have the same kind of underpinnings of a good economy. So we'll be okay. I can see why millennials are having a tough time. They've gone through a lot. There was the crash of the economy when they had debt with education. And now there's been this pause on, on any kind of uh, professions. So my heart's with them. I, they've had a tough go as a generation. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about now where we are uh, with the state in terms of things like unemployment benefits? And I know, um, you know, the the president signed that executive order uh, a week or two ago, um, but put a lot of that load for providing unemployment on the states unexpectedly right yes, there. Uh, they did. What are we going to do? I think that the uh, opening is there for us and it probably will be prudent to take it. The, uh, the What was put on the table was that if states put up 100 bucks, then the feds will give 300. And interestingly, and I think it was actually a coincidence, uh, the state of Hawaii, the legislature did advance a plan. I think it was about $250 million plan to beef up each weekly unemployment check by $100. So in this case, the governor temporarily vetoed that. But once the veto period ends, he's allowed to reapply that money, which is like in four weeks or something. Mm -hmm. So if he wants to do it, the gov could do that. Uh, the governor is very fiscally conservative. So he's he's careful to save enough money, I think probably to avoid deep, uh, deep cuts, like you were mentioning that we don't want to the guy was mentioning we don't want to do, but you were alluding to we have to deal with like mm -hmm. behavioral health and mental mm -hmm. illness. Mm -hmm. So he's on that. I think the couple things that we have to think about again is uh, we were offered $2.3 billion of a 1% loan from the federal government to be repaid over three years. And I think that uh, we've, we've chosen to take $750 million to, to subsidize our needs uh, to keep cuts somewhat minimum minimal. I think that we probably should double that and store that money and then repay it more aggressively if we don't need it, but have it available to us. I also think a lot of people are awaiting the results of the election. I'm not going to get political here. Don't worry. But I, <laughs> you know, the election, it will have, there will be very different uh, approaches probably to COVID and unemployment, depending on which administration gets in there. So, mm -hmm. uh, but we have an opportunity to make sure our people are okay. Unemployment is very significant to the past, uh, and we're not going to get a, a restoration of the tourism uh, the, you know, the tourism economy, 
until, you know, deep into the fall. But people are hanging on. It's it's tough. And I'd like to see that extra money go to them. All right. All right. Thank you. Is it time for another speed round? We can. You count how many questions I do. Right now. <laughs> why are hiking trails closed and gyms open? Yeah, that's stupid. Uh, why are we waiting till <laughs> hospitals are full capacity? We're not shut down. We're not at full capacity yet, and we'll expand by 30%. But I, I did want us to pause and pull back. We have to pull back on elective procedures. Uh, why not shut down completely, shut down everyone for 30 days? That's essentially what I thought would get us through this faster. Why are SPED class meeting face-to-face when there's more than five in a class? Mm. SPED students often have special needs and and really serious uh, face-to-face needs, but they definitely should uh, test teachers a little bit more. Bubble wrap, don't all workers need part of it? Yes, a little bubble wrap on all of us would be helpful. Repercussions of Dr. Park going to receive... That's up to uh, that's up to Ige. What's this word on small business owner grants? Ten thousand max grant the mayor's office. Uh, they should they should reboot that and they should do micro loans constantly. Beginning with two digits now three digits still open. That's the insanity of the situation. DOH needs to be transparent so we can rebuild trust. I agree. That's every day I'm on giving the actual numbers. Costco has five hundred people in the building. That is dangerous. Uh, they should definitely thin the number of people at a time. I'm a clinical psychologist. I'm drowning in referrals. Yes, we need to beef up your discipline and get you more uh, support for your teams. You should call my team and we'll try to get loans for more psychologists. Why is the water park left open while public pools are closed and beaches? That's that's the great uh, stupidity of the week. Um, mm. What do you think Tripler can do to accommodate civilian patients? We are working directly with them, and they do have a significant capacity that I should. Some of that's got to be private between the military. But yes, they they are going to help us a ton. Every solution is unintended consequence. How do we negate the fact that babies and children who are very isolated, that's a huge problem. And and we're going to have to deal with that with more time with family afterwards. How much money uh, you losing with, with COVID, doctor? If I had to cut back all kinds of things, but I hear you. It's, it's tough for everybody. It's unclear. Is there a medical exemption to quarantine if a patient goes from goes to a walk from out? Yes, you get a, you get a quarantine exemption. Why is the tourist not a threat? The rate is one out of 374 people were positive that were traveling. It's not a non-threat, but it's not as, as giant as 600 people jumping off Waimea Rock. Um, aren't we better to open with testing than can you with no testing arrivals? Yes, everyone should be tested. Speed, I'm sorry, rapid tests, not speed tests, should be done at the airports if necessary. How accurate is the rapid COVID testing? You can get it over 90% now. Why not shut down completely? Please answer that question. Decision by the governor and the mayor. Um, I think a shorter full shutdown would have been more effective. What happened to the guy who made the color bubble chart? At the, the color bubble chart is at least something to to keep us on track. Okay, time. <laughs> yeah. the, the stream of consciousness from Lieutenant Governor Josh Green. Thank you, sir. That's amazing. Every time you do that, um, sir, can we take a moment to talk about some of our particular like like portions of the population? I'm talking about now that that situation happening at O Triple C. Um What are you recommending there? So I'm recommending every single inmate get tested and every staff member. I recommend also that they get tested four days after anyone who was negative get tested four days after they were tested initially because of the incubation period. I'm recommending mandatory masks in the prison uh, for all employees and, of course, all inmates. My team dropped off 5,000 masks thanks to uh, Mr. Lee's donation, which is phenomenal. And we got 5,000 masks over to public safety, I believe, yesterday. Uh, I'm recommending that uh, that nonviolent individuals that are in the pretrial setting not go in. They haven't been convicted yet. And putting them into 
a situation where extra spread will happen is probably not prudent right now. So those are the basic recommendations. If guards feel that it's unsafe for them, they should be allowed to uh, take time away, leave, and we'll have to find enough support. I know that could be a challenge for Director Spinda, but I don't think anybody should be forced to work in a in a setting that could be um, bad for their health. They shouldn't be forced to go into a setting where there's a high rate of positivity. Can we talk about the homeless situation now? What are you recommending there? So the clusters that I'm that I've been viewing, especially among the homeless and the Pacific Islanders, they need to have a lot more uh, tracing and support, public health support. They need to have not not just full awareness, but culturally appropriate full awareness. For instance, the the Pacific Islander community has certain cultural practices that are conducive to spreading. Uh, the the funeral practices are very uh, intense. A lot of it's at home based, actually, and home-based in small settings is a is a recipe for disaster for COVID. So I recommended to some philanthropy uh, leaders, philanthropic leaders yesterday to support some of those efforts to help thin out the number of people that have to come together at one time to help with basic things like cleaning and education. They're very nimble in their capacity to get resources out there. When you talk about the homeless population, lots and lots of screening if people will accept it. The shelters had to be repurposed in some ways for individuals that were COVID positive. Uh, we've also uh, been moving pretty aggressively now to get hotel rooms for individuals that are in the Pacific Islander community that, that might have just too dense a living situation to get people out of the setting there. Same thing goes for homeless individuals that would otherwise be on the street positive for COVID. We sometimes are recommending hotel rooms or at least hotel rooms to get away from clusters of people. So that's the kind of stuff that we're doing and need to do more of. It's very difficult because uh, the, I guess the best way to describe it is the, the social determinants of health where people are poor uh, and living in close quarters is a major risk factor for the spread of infectious disease. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, can you tell us where we are now with the hospitals? There's been some worry about not having enough staff, enough doctors and nurses and so forth. Is this a worry for you? It is. The uh, the staffing issue is as big a problem as the actual physical beds, in some ways more. We can find extra space because we, when we stop doing uh, elective procedures, all of a sudden all of our operating rooms become essentially de facto ICUs with ventilators and beds and anesthesiology support and so on. But you do have a finite number of critical care nurses and in intensivists and hospitalists in the state. So we have begun the process of bringing some extra professionals in if need be. We also have a lot of extra resource uh, with the military, and they've been very generous uh, from a healthcare standpoint, especially to prepare if we have to overflow that direction. But we could need very quickly as much as 20% more healthcare professionals here dealing with the crisis if this continues to surge. That's why we try to put everything else off that could be elective or delayed, unnecessary tests, this or that. Uh, if you needed a knee replacement, though it stinks to need a knee replacement, but you don't have to get it during the, the height of the the global pandemic with COVID. So all that makes a difference. We also may have to open up some additional facilities. We're trying to go on the offense here and shut down the spread rather than the defense and create uh, new facilities. We have 150 additional hospital beds that could be put up that are the outdoor um, tent uh, facilities. There's lots that can be done. And the volunteer need is there. So let me just say this. I'm, I'm right now and, and will be more formally calling on all healthcare providers that would like to consider volunteering in the contact tracing process or uh, 
extra outreach, they should write me at my email at the uh, Capitol, which is josh.green at hawaii.gov, josh.green at hawaii.gov, because we're putting together that small army of support for DOH, because we want them to succeed and we want them to have extra help. Okay, right. and, and that's for, for physicians or healthcare professionals who want to help with contact tracing and or also with actual, like with coming out of, like, say, retirement or whatever it is, they should contact you about that? Yes, if they would like to, and mm-hmm. if, especially if they have an active license, although we have some extra capacity because uh, we're under emergency rules to get people back into hospital care. They don't have to have credentials at all the hospitals, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We can get them right into the into the mix if really need, uh, if the need comes. But uh, we created a thing called the Hawaii Health Corps with several hundred uh, volunteers. That's the thing that we use to go to Samoa. And I think that we'll also, you know, we'll bring that to um, to have an impact over here at the convention center if we're needed. We're going to do five teams of 10 in- initially to support DOH. And we're really just going to be supportive. And there's lots and lots to do. You'd be amazed. And in certain communities, there's even more to do. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, as usual, uh, the time flies. Thank you, Lieutenant Governor. Anything else you wanted to say in closing? Tentatively, we're going to have uh, a special 30-minute interview between me and, and Dr. Fauci next Thursday at 7 a.m., and we'll try to link all you guys in if all statewide agencies are going to be welcome to, to link in. So we'll have half hour with Dr. Fauci to answer your questions and questions about Hawaii and COVID. It's going to be 7 a.m. on August 27th, and it'll be pretty much everywhere. So unless he has to change his schedule for emergencies, that's when we'll do it. Okay. There we All go. All right. Thank you. Lieutenant Governor joining us here. Kumu Koku, 94.7 Kumu. It's Devin and Esme on the Rise and Drive on 94.7 Kumu.